Hi, everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hey, guys, welcome back to God's Plan, Your Part. Today, we are jumping into our next set of chapters in Leviticus. Uh, We're in chapters 5, 6, and 7. So today we're going to be taking a look at the final type of offering and its laws, uh, as well as the priest's role in their offerings, what that looks like for them, and as well as the offerer themselves, their role in this whole process, kind of the rules and regulations that go along with these offerings and those specific people. So, Ryan? That's it. Let's close the book. Let's get out of here. You just did it. (laughs) It's so intricate. There's so many details. There's so many things. It's kind of hard to like wrap your mind around all the pieces because there is a lot there. Like even within the different types of offerings, there are rules and regulations that go with each one. So it can be very easy to get pretty lost. We, We literally just spent like an hour trying to like wrap our minds around certain pieces of these offerings and what means what, why they're doing this, who gets what, if anything, from the specific offering. So so I think this is important just kind of to set the scene. If you think about extremes you can take on handling Leviticus, uh, one extreme is probably to dive so deep into figuring out what these things are, what offerings mean what, who should do what, mm-hmm. who represents what. I think it's very good to understand those things, but we're not under this law anymore. Correct. So it's really helpful to understand why God commanded this, what is present uh, from God in this, what we can learn about him. But also, we don't have to do this anymore, which is great. And there's some, uh, in my mind, there's a little bit of beauty to it also, because for me, I appreciate like knowing exactly what is expected of me in like any situation when I'm learning something new, when I'm like trying to teach someone something, I like to know the expectations for anything. So it's kind of cool how even though there are so many complexities to how these different offerings need to be set up or or go, um, it's really important. I think that God gives very specific instructions for if this, then this. So I think that's really helpful when you're looking at all of these different details too. So if one extreme is kind of the legalistic, let's do a deep dive into this to make sure we're completely covered and you kind of miss Jesus in that. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't have to worry about that, but it's still good to learn it. I don't want to ever come across like, don't learn it. That's not important. It is important. Mm-hmm. We want to understand it, but we relate to God a little bit differently than this now, Mm -hmm. than what we're reading. Mm -hmm. The other extreme side of it is the opposite. It's like, well, we have freedom. I walk a life sanctified by Christ. I don't really care about all this stuff. (laughs) Because if you approach the Bible that way, and I approached the Bible that way for a long time, I'm speaking from my own experience. If you approach it that way, you actually do miss out on a pretty significant part of who God is and what his character is like. Because we can see some things through these different offerings, these different rituals, these different how-tos that tell us a little bit more about who God is, what he's like. If we really believe that God hasn't changed, he's not different, then it's worth trying to figure out what he was up to with these things. So don't get too far down in the weeds. Um, If you just want to study and learn, that's fantastic. We're not sanctified by these things anymore. 
Also, don't just throw it out like it doesn't matter, because it does. It's a really important part of who God is and how he's related with people in the past. Well, and I think, too, it also reminds us the importance of Christ's sacrifice. Oh, and for that sure. You can't take for granted what he's done, because I think sometimes today we're just like, oh, yeah, like Jesus died for me. Like, yeah, that stuff was bad. That stuff was whatever. But I mean, Christ always forgives me. But at the same time, he God forgave the sins of those people in those days also. But they had to like go through extensive measures to make sure that they recognized their sin, they brought their offerings, and like received forgiveness for those things. And I think sometimes it's really easy today to kind of take that for granted, even though the same intensity and um, importance is still there. It still exists. So setting the ground rules, don't fly crazy over here, don't fly crazy yeah. over here. I've got my arms on two different sides if you can't, well, you can't, you can't see me, it's a podcast. <laughs> Here's the things you need to know. We just went through and wrapped up in these seven chapters, five types of offerings. The five types of offerings are burnt offerings, grain offerings, peace offerings, sin offerings, and guilt offerings. Three of them are completely voluntary. Burnt offerings, grain offerings, and peace offerings you bring to God when you are compelled to bring it to God. Mm -hmm. Sin offerings and guilt offerings are required. You must do it. Which there, kind of makes sense, too, with how we approach God even now. Like, yes. we come and we bear our sin and our guilt. It's a fantastic example. I'm glad you brought it out because there are still things that our sin still requires mm -hmm, a payment. Jesus mm -hmm. is that payment. If you do not trust Jesus as your Savior, you have not made payment. You are against God. Mm -hmm. You are not having a relationship with God. We also bring offerings that are non-compulsory. They're things that we can do whenever we want. Mm -hmm. We go to church and we sing songs and we worship. We bring our money and we give it to whatever God's doing. Yeah. These are things that we can do without obligation. We voluntarily do these things. Should we do them? Yes. Is it suggested? Yes. Is it required for our salvation? No. So God mm -hmm. still works mm -hmm. in similar ways. A thing you will notice, I think it got your attention, Jenny, when we were reading through it, you'll notice that different people are eating different parts of these sacrifices, yeah, that, and that feels weird. That definitely weirded me out. I'm like, wait a minute, why are these people feasting on people's sin and guilt offerings? But it, it makes sense when you apply it to like the jobs and the severity of these priests and what they had to do. So this is not going to be a super clear-cut, fault-free explanation, but it kind of goes from... The burnt offering is extreme. Everything's burned up. That's it. I think the only Nothing thing that's left, left is the skin. Right. And they're allowed to use the skin probably to make tents and stuff or something. <laughs> the grain offering is just that grain. One interesting thing about grain offerings is, like, I think my pantry is full of Lucky Charms. There's a lot of grain in that thing. <laughs> and we have kids and they love it. And they it's only eat, eat the marshmallows. Actually. They don't actually even eat the grain part, which makes me frustrated. And it goes down the drain. It's a whole other thing. There was not a lot of grain for the Israelites. They were nomadic people to have grain, you have to have crops, you have to have farms. They didn't have that. So the grain was rare, and it was a very serious thing to bring a grain offering. Uh, they could eat parts of the grain offering. The peace offering was like a fellowship meal. It was like, hey, I'm enjoying peace with God. Let's enjoy peace together. It's like a communal thing. The sin offering and guilt offering, those also involve people can eat it, but only mm -hmm. certain people. So these not including the offerer correct 
certain sacrifices are so holy that just anybody can't eat those things. What's interesting about that is priests were very busy. This is a this is definitely a full time job being a priest, and there's no payment. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like hey, also bring twenty dollars an hour to your priest mm-hmm. to help him out. But what the priest had was a place to live and food from these offerings. So God, in His system that He's setting up, also provides for the priest to make sure that this is this is able to occur, that right relationship is accomplished. So that that's some things that stuck out to me that were interesting. There's also some, if you really get into the weeds, there are some rules to follow. Like, for example, if there's blood in a cup, you need to either smash the cup or scrub the cup because God is calling that blood holy. and Blood that was within the most holy place. Correct. You can't just take that home. If you just took that home, you'd be judged by God and maybe you would die. Or even to the point if blood from the sin and guilt offerings from the most holy place, even if it got on the clothing of a priest, it had to be washed within that place. They had to change their clothes. They couldn't take it out or the offering would be considered like null and void. Correct. Or the iniquity would go onto whoever offered it. So you can easily look at this and you can be like, oh my goodness, God is like so legalistic. But He's not. If you understand what you're what you're reading, if you understand what God is doing, he's actually being quite fair. <laughs> he's so gracious and so compassionate. He's like, "Hey, listen, this is how I've designed the world to work. If you take that home, you're going to die. So mm-hmm. I would like you to not die or cast out from their people. Yeah, or cast out, and cut off. Yeah, cut yeah off, and there's some there debate. Does that mean like can they be made clean eventually, or right. does that mean they die, or does that mean they're a sojourner or whatever? But that that's a gracious God. Mm-hmm. So I think it's pretty incredible. I think a year part for today is just understanding God in a different light. I think oftentimes when we think of God of the Old Testament, we do not consider him the same likeness of the God of the New Testament. And I think as we get to know God and his purposes of these specific things that he puts out for us, because I too am guilty of just seeing God as a very cold and stern and unloving at times but when you really dig into this and think about all of like someone like God took the time or put the time in to consider how he could relate to us in a way that wouldn't harm us and I think that's really cool um it's just a really cool perspective that we can gain on God just by figuring out all these different pieces that he um put together in order to be with us in a in a unique and special way that they hadn't experienced before. Thanks for joining us today. We're super excited to continue on with Leviticus. We'll see you guys back tomorrow. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our take on God's word. Stick around and listen to the word uh, on the second part of the podcast. Before we get in there, uh, we just want to remind you, you can connect with us at any time on social media and YouTube at God's Plan Your Part. Also, we are a listener supported podcast. So if you ever want to help us out with the ministry that we're doing, uh, you can do that by clicking the link in our description. And now here's the reading for today. Leviticus 5. If anyone sins and that he hears a public adjuration to testify, and though he is a witness, whether he has seen or come to know the matter, yet does not speak, he shall bear his iniquity. Or if anyone touches an unclean thing, whether a carcass of an unclean wild animal, or a carcass of unclean livestock, or a carcass of unclean swarming things, and it is hidden from him, and he has become unclean, and he realizes his guilt, Or if he touches human uncleanness, or whatever sort of uncleanness may be without which one becomes unclean, 
and is hidden from him, when he comes to know it and realizes his guilt, or if anyone utters with his lips a rash oath to do evil or to do good or any sort of rash oath that people swear, and it is hidden from him, when he comes to know it and he realizes his guilt in any of these, when he realizes his guilt in any of these and confesses the sin he has committed, he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation for the sin that he committed, a female from the flock, a lamb or a goat for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him for his sin. But if he cannot afford a lamb, then he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation for the sin that he has committed, two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. He shall bring them to the priest who shall first offer one for the sin offering. He shall wring its head from its neck, but shall not sever it completely. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the side of the altar, while the rest of the blood shall be drained out at the base of the altar. It is a sin offering. Then he shall offer the second for a burnt offering according to the rule. And the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin that he has committed, and he shall be forgiven. But if he cannot afford two turtle doves or two pigeons, then he shall bring as his offering for the sin that he has committed a tenth of an ephah and fine flour for a sin offering. He shall put no oil on it and shall put no frankincense on it, for it is a sin offering. And he shall bring it to the priest, and the priest shall take a handful of his memorial portion and burn it on the altar, and the Lord's food offerings, it is a, for it is a sin offering. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, for the sin which he has committed, in any one of these things, and he shall be forgiven. And the remainder shall be for the priest, as in the grain offering. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If anyone commits a breach of faith and sins unintentionally in any of the holy things of the Lord, he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation a ram without blemish out of the flock, valued in silver shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary for a guilt offering. He shall also make restitution for what he has done amiss in the holy thing, and shall add a fifth to it and give it to the priest." And the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering, and he shall be forgiven. If anyone sins, doing any of the things that by the Lord's commandment ought not to be done, though he did not know it, then realizes his guilt, he shall bear his iniquity. He shall bring to the priest a ram without blemish out of the flock, or its equivalent, for a guilt offering, and the priest shall make atonement for him for the mistake that he made unintentionally, and he shall be forgiven. It is a guilt offering. He has indeed incurred guilt before the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If anyone sins and commits a breach of faith against the Lord by deceiving his neighbor in a matter of a deposit or a security, or through robbery, or if he has oppressed his neighbor or found something lost and lied about it, swearing falsely, in any of all of these things that the people do and sin thereby, if he has sinned and has realized his guilt and will restore what he took, by robbery, or what he got by oppression, or the deposit that was committed to him, or the lost thing that he found, or anything about which he had sworn falsely, he shall restore it in full, and shall add a fifth to it, and give it to him to whom it belongs, and on the day he realizes his guilt. And he shall bring to the priest as his compensation to the Lord a ram without blemish out of the flock, or its equivalent, for a guilt offering." And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven for any of the things that one may do and thereby become guilty. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, 
Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth on the altar all night until the morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment, and put his linen undergarment on his body, and he shall take up the ashes to which the fire has reduced the burnt offering on the altar, and put them beside the altar. Then he shall take off his garments, and put on the other garments, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it, it shall not go out. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and he shall arrange the burnt offering on it, and shall burn on it, the fat of the peace offerings. Fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually, it shall not go out. And this is the law of the grain offering. The sons of Aaron shall offer it before the Lord in front of the altar, and one shall take from it a handful of fine flour of the grain offering and its oil and all the frankincense that is on the grain offering, and burn this as its memorial portion on the altar, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And the rest of it Aaron and his sons shall eat. It shall be eaten unleavened in a holy place. In the court of the tent of meeting they shall eat it. It shall not be baked with leaven. I have given it as their portion of my food offerings. It is a thing most holy, like the sin offering and the guilt offering. Every male among the children of Aaron may eat of it as decreed forever throughout your generations from the Lord's food offerings. Whatever touches them shall become holy. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This is the offering that Aaron and his sons shall offer to the Lord on the day when he is anointed, a tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a regular grain offering half of it in the morning and half of it in the evening. It shall be made with oil on a griddle. You shall bring it well mixed in baked pieces like a grain offering and offer it for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The priest from among Aaron's sons who is anointed to succeed him shall offer it to the Lord as a decreed forever. The whole of it shall be burned. Every grain offering of a priest shall be wholly burned and it shall not be eaten. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons saying, this is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, shall the sin offering be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. The priest who offers it for sin shall eat it. In a holy place it shall be eaten, in the court of the tent of meeting. Whatever touches its flesh shall be holy, and when any of its blood is splashed on a garment, you shall wash that on which it was splashed in a holy place, and the earthenware vessel in which it is boiled shall be broken. But if it is boiled in a bronze vessel, that shall be scoured and rinsed in water. Every male among the priests may eat of it. It is most holy. But no sin offering shall be eaten from which any blood is brought into the tent of meeting to make atonement for the holy place. It shall be burned up with fire. This is the law of the guilt offering. It is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering, they shall kill the guilt offering, and its blood shall be thrown against the sides of the altar. And all its fat shall be offered, the fat tail, the fat that covers the entrails, the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins, and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys. The priest shall burn them on the altar as food offering to the Lord. It is a guilt offering. Every male among the priests may eat of it. It shall be eaten in a holy place. It is most holy. The guilt offering is just like the sin offering. There is one law for them. The priests who make atonement with it shall have it. And the priest who offers any man's burnt offering shall have for himself the skin of the burnt offering that he has offered. And every grain offering baked in the oven 
and all that is prepared on a pan or griddle shall belong to the priest who offers it. And every grain offering mixed with oil or dry shall be shared equally among all the sons of Aaron. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings that one may offer to the Lord. If he offers it for thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the thanksgiving sacrifice unleavened loaves mixed with the oil, unleavened wafers smeared with the oil, and loaves with fine flour mixed well with oil. With the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving, he shall bring his offering with loaves of unleavened bread, and from it he shall offer one loaf from each offering as a gift to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who throws the blood of the peace offerings, and the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten on the day of his offering. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow offering or a freewill offering, it shall be eaten on the day that he offers his sacrifice, and on the next day what remains of it shall be eaten. But what remains of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burned up with fire. If any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten on the third day, he who offers it shall not be accepted, neither shall it be credited to him. It is tainted, and he who eats of it shall bear his iniquity." Flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall be burned up with fire. All who are clean may eat flesh. But the person who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offerings while an uncleanness is on him, that person shall be cut off from his people. And if anyone touches an unclean thing, whether human uncleanness or an unclean beast of any unclean detestable creature, and then eats some of the flesh from the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offerings, that person shall be cut off from his people. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, You shall eat no fat of ox or sheep or goat, the fat of an animal that dies of itself, and the fat of the one that is torn by the beast may be put to any other use, but on no account shall you eat it. For every person who eats of the fat of an animal of which the food offering may be made to the Lord shall be cut off from the people. Moreover, you shall eat no blood, whatever, whether of fowl or of animal, in any of your dwelling places. Whoever eats any blood, that person shall be cut off from his people. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, Whoever offers the sacrifice of his peace offerings to the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offerings. His own hands shall bring the Lord's food offering. He shall bring the fat with the beast, and the breast may be waved as a wave offering before the Lord. The priest shall burn the fat on the altar, but the breast shall be for Aaron and his sons. And the right thigh you shall give to the priest as a contribution from the sacrifice of your peace offerings. Whoever among the sons of Aaron offers the blood of the peace offerings, and the fat shall have the right thigh for a portion. For the breast that is waved and the thigh that is contributed, I have taken from the people of Israel out of the sacrifices of their peace offerings, and have given them to Aaron the priest and his sons as a perpetual due from the people of Israel. This is the portion of Aaron and his sons from the Lord's food offerings from the day they were presented to serve as priests of the Lord. The Lord commanded this to be given them by the people of Israel from the day that he anointed them. It is a perpetual due throughout their generations. 
In this law of the burnt offering, of the grain offering, of the sin offering, of the guilt offering, of the ordination offering, and of the peace offering, which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai, on the day that he commanded the people of Israel to bring their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.